Welcome home. As you listen to New Life the Fort, may you continue to experience the fullness of joy, life, and Christ in the days ahead. Maybe tell you a story for a little bit. An event that happened, I'm sure you're familiar, or many of you are familiar with what happened to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was speaking to God and there was such an intense pressure upon him that he was bleeding his blood was mixed with his sweat and there was that contention which led to his absolute surrender to God's will I'm not going to talk about that, but I want to I talk about what happened prior to that. What led to this event. You see the image that we have here. You have Jesus speaking to his disciples. He had supper prepared. Everything was made ready. And as usual, the disciples were excited. And they were looking forward to this dinner and it's not the first time that they had supper together this is just one of the many that they had but this time around Jesus was kind of speaking differently and he was acting differently he's not his usual self when dinner was finished when supper was ended he prepared for something different he gathered his disciples and then proceeded to wash their feet. And some of them said, Master, you don't have to wash my feet. But Jesus insisted. When all of that was done, they left the house where they were staying and they, they were going to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now the layout of the land you have Jerusalem on one end and you have the Mount of Olives on the other end. And they had to cross from this mountain here to that mountain over there. But in, the, in between the mountain, there is this valley called Kidron Valley. And as Jesus was crossing, he decides to teach a lesson. Because in that valley, it's a little different now, but in that valley, going to the Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives is named after the olives that are there, that's scattered all over the place. But in some scattered areas, there are vineyards. It may not be like the vineyard that you see in pictures where it's a sprawling vineyard. Some vineyard would be there. And as they were crossing, Jesus decides to tell this story this object lesson as he would always do he would have something that is very familiar something that is known to many he would talk about fish he would talk about seed he would talk about trees he would talk about this and that things that are familiar to people and bring spiritual truth out of what he was teaching this time around, he focused his attention on the vines. Go ahead, you may sit down first. 
So Jesus tells this story. Imagine, this time the disciples were already thinking there's something different. He was talking about, he's been talking about leaving. He's been talking about dying. They couldn't grasp the concept of what Jesus was trying to say. They couldn't get that he was going to die that in a few hours. He's going to be giving his life. They couldn't accept the fact. Some of them were already thinking if somebody tries to get him, we're going to fight. We have, we have a few sword here and whatever. That's what they were, gonna, they were thinking. But Jesus, ever the teacher, the rabbi, was teaching them again. But perhaps this time, the teaching is a bit different. Because the weight of the moment is quite different from all the other moments that he was teaching. This is something the disciples needed to understand. So he tells a story. Just imagine with me. They're crossing and Jesus was about to sweat blood. But he tells his story to his disciples. In John chapter 15, this is what he says. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That it, bear, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they, they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Can somebody say much fruit? So you will be my disciples. Let's go through that story again and see what we can get out of it. What we can glean this morning as we go to the Word. Number one, let's go to the cast of characters that we see. In the first few lines herein, it's revealed who are the people in the story. You have the true vine, the father, and the branches. He says, Jesus specifically said, I am the true vine. True, meaning there could be false. He's saying, there may have been vines before that you thought they were the real ones, but here comes the true vine. I am. I am is something specific that he says. In fact, it's a name. It's something that he used while he was speaking in the temple. It's something that he used that offended the Pharisees. Why? Because that's a name that God used when he was speaking to Moses. 
before Abraham was, I am. That's, that's what he says. And he's using these same words again. I am the true vine. In other words, he's reminding his disciples about his messiahship. That he is from the Lord. That he is God. I am the true vine. In fact, this idea of vine is not new to the people of Israel. In fact, in the, in the book of Isaiah, the vine used to be represented by Israel. Because Israel, what was Israel supposed to do? It's supposed to symbolize what it means to be a nation in relationship with God. And they were supposed to be a blessing. Remember the blessing that was given to Abraham. You will be blessed until all the families of the earth are blessed. Your descendants will represent that. In other words, you are blessed to be a blessing. And somehow, Israel did not fulfill that promise at the time. Because the real promise, the real fulfillment of that promise has come not through a nation, but through a person. A person of Jesus Christ. And there, He declares Himself, If you want to have true life, it is through Me. I am the true vine. And then He says, And My Father is the vine dresser. He makes it personal. There are times that He would say, your father, there are times that he would say our father, but this time he's being very specific. My father. There was one time Paul was very specific. He said, and my God will supply all my need, your needs according to his riches and glory. Do you remember this? Now we declare that, we speak that, we say, my God will, will supply all my needs. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But if we take it in context, it was actually Paul who was saying, my God, the way he is to me, the way he has provided for me, the way he has taken care of me, the way he has restored me, and the way he's never failed me, the same God, the way he is for me, is the same God is going to do for you. My God will supply all your needs, riches, and glory. And Jesus is saying now, my father, the way he takes care of me, is the way he's going to take care of the vineyard. Do you know that the father will never ever deny the son? Whatever the son asks, the father will give. Because there is perfect union between the father and the and the son. The son will never ask anything beyond the will of the father. There is this perfect union. And so with that understanding, Jesus is saying, my father. He didn't say our father at this uh, time of, the, of, uh, of this event. He's saying my father. You cannot be a part of this family outside of Jesus Christ. If you want His Father to take care of you, you need to be one with Jesus Christ because if you are in Christ, for sure, His Father will take care of you. And His Father becomes your Father because you are one with Him. My Father. And then of course it says, the branches. We are the branch. We are the one, if you are non-Jew, 
you have been grafted to this family. You have now become a part of this family. You have now been united to this family. There was no way for us to be a part of the family before, but praise be to Jesus Christ. You are now the branch. But let's look at the story here because he says something about the branch. So we have the cast, the vine, the vine dresser, and the branches. What about the branches? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I used to read this verse and I'm scared. Kumo, you can relate. Like, wow, I need to bear fruit. And so now, I'm like this constipated branch that's trying to bear fruit. But I cannot bear fruit in my own strength. There is no branch on earth that can bear fruit outside of its connection to the vine or to the trunk or whatever it is. You need to have that vital connection. But it says there, takes away. That, that used to put fear in my heart. Oh, I need to do this right. Oh, I need to, I need, I need to you know, get my life together. Otherwise, I'll be taken away. But with closer understanding, this, I, this, this word, taken away, actually can be, uh, it's, it's just one word in the Greek, aero. Aero. A-I-R-O. Aero. Air. It actually means to be lifted up. It actually means to be raised, to be um, elevated. To be raised up. We can say it this way. He carries you. We started from the cast of characters. Now we are being carried. Have you ever felt like you were not bearing fruit in your Christian life before? At least three, four people. Everyone else is, wow, amazing. No, we can all, we can all relate to this. I feel like I'm being fruitless. And, and it's frustrating to be fruitless. It's like, I'm like going around in circles, but I'm not bearing fruit. And that's frustrating. And that's not the way we are meant to live our lives. God wants you to be fruitful. But the scary part is religion has taught us if you are not bearing fruit, if you're not doing anything for Him, you'll be cut off. You'll be taken away. Well, this idea of taken away is not being cut off. It's just being carried. Being lifted up. There are some vines that somehow, because it's not supported well, it finds its way to the ground. And in the ground, there's no sunlight. There's nothing there that will help. And so the vine dresser will make sure you are lifted up where you can see the sun. That the sun may be shining forth on you. And you might find the right nutrients for your, for your branch to begin to bear fruit. Outside of the sun, we cannot bear fruit. In fact... This idea of being carried. See, now if you, if you feel like you're fruitless in your life, guess what? It's not, the reaction should not be trying to focus to bear fruit. The reaction should be focusing on the sun. Right? I remember a story Jesus said, he likes to tell stories, right? He said, you know, there's this, there's this uh, uh, shepherd who has a hundred sheep. But one of them got lost. And so he decided to leave all the 99 and look for the one. And in Luke chapter 15 verse 5, what would it say? 
in the passion translation it says that the shepherd once he finds is there once he finds the sheep with exuberant joy he raised it up that's the picture the branch was not bearing fruit is raised up and placed it on his shoulders carrying it back with cheerful delight this is the image because he celebrates you he celebrates you if you are feeling fruitless right now i believe he's i god wants to remind you that he's carrying you at this point he's just carrying you and just focus on him focus on him like that flower that's called sunflower where it's just focused wherever the sun is going that's where i'm at that's where i'm going i don't know about you and when there's no sun i fold i don't have anything but if the sun is there i'm shining i'm bright and the people are looking at that sun look at that sunflower it looks beautiful it looks beautiful because it's focused on the sun so there's this idea of carrying and then the next line Sometimes it's even more scarier if we don't understand it. It says here, And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He carries. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it, bear, that it may bear more fruit. And because of religion, we have misunderstood this line of pruning. Because we've come from carrying and now there's a cutting. There's a cutting away. What does that mean? Well, I think we have to see it in context where it says there, once you begin to bear fruit, and that's good, that's a good place, bearing fruit. Then He prepares you so that you can have more fruit. If you had a choice, would you rather have fruit or more fruit? We want to have more fruit. But often what happens is, uh, you know, the branch, because it's receiving life, it's receiving life, it's receiving, receiving from the sap, instead of bearing fruit, it becomes more leafy. It becomes, it has more leaves. And there may be times that you look at a person who's a believer and their lives look leafy. They're doing a lot. You know, they have a lot of ministries. They have, they're doing this, they're doing that, and they're attending, you know, 12 services every Sunday. That's amazing. Right? And it looks like, wow, and if, if you're that type of Christian who, you know, is not much involved or whatever, and you're looking at that and you go, I can't compete with that. I'm, I'm useless. But see, being... Doing so many things does not always equate fruitfulness. Right? Being so busy with so many things does not always mean you're being fruitful. Sometimes you're just busy. Sometimes you just... And, and we're, we're hoping that's not the mindset that I'm doing all these things, Lord. Look, I'm doing all these ministries. I'm helping all these things. I'm giving away all these things, Lord. And maybe because I'm doing all of that... Are you, are you okay with me, Lord? Is it okay? Uh, are you happy with me? No, the starting point why you want to be able to do all these things is you know that He's happy with you. That's the starting point. That He's pleased with you. 
That's the starting point. Jesus, before he started any of his ministry, he was baptized and he got out of the, being baptized by John. And what did God say? You are my son in whom I am well pleased. Before he did any miracle, God was already pleased with him. Guess what? If you're in Christ, before you did any, anything, he's already pleased with you. Before you ever thought of joining any ministry or helping out or showing up in church, He's already pleased with you. And because you know He's pleased with me, wow, how can I help? What can I do? Right? I'm not anymore trying to collect all these good works so that I can present it to Him. That's not anymore what we do. So maybe the pruning, the pruning is just a cutting away of things that are unnecessary. The things that does not really help you. Because if you're leafy, there's no space for fruit. So those leaves must be, must be cut off to, for, to give space for fruitfulness. In fact, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the first part, what would it say? I'm going to read in the Amplified. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, in the first part, what would it say? It says, looking away from all that will distract. So pause there for a bit. When you look away, can everybody look here on this, on your right? Look on your right. Everybody look on your right. Okay. How do you look away from uh, looking at the right side? Can everyone look away from the right? Turn to the other side. There you go. Some of you are trying to figure out something right, go something left. Never mind. Okay. You, so if you're looking here and these things are distracting you, there's an action of looking away. But you cannot look away without looking too. You have to look at something else. That's why it says here, looking away from all that will distract. There might be some things that you're being distracted. There might be a relationship that God, you, you know God is not in that relationship and it's just hindering you and it's just blocking you and it's just delaying you it might be time to prune that just look here and smile don't it might be time to prune that because that's not helping you it says and looking away to all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith he's a author and the finisher see there may be and and this is this is it's not always pleasing to be pruned but see god will not do something that you're not willing to surrender to him let me say that again god is not going to cut something that you're not willing to surrender there has to be a, a heart connection right there right because, because he doesn't force people. He is a good, good father. But when you realize that his plan for you is so much better than your plan for yourself, it's, it's suddenly easier to go, Lord, can you help me with this? Because I thought, you know, I've worked this out and I thought this, this is okay. Help me adjust. In fact, there's a stronger word in the scripture that's used in the same chapter here that whoever the Lord loves, He chastens. 
there's a chastening there's a discipline whomong you have uh, uh, have been engaged in some athletics or or anything that has to do with training training intense training there you go whether it's whether it's dance whether it's uh, training for for work or whatever it is there are certain things that you have to to let go of because your focus is this athletes especially you know world renowned athletes they have strict diet they have to you know uh, exercise work out every day and all these things there are certain things that they won't they won't even indulge in because that's not part of where they're going and the bible says you're like a soldier you're like an athlete right because you're headed somewhere and there are certain options that are no more no longer options for you because they will distract what does the bible say hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 those whom he loves he chastens and what scourges every son whom he receives whoo those are intense words who among you believe that you are a child of god now let's get this idea of scourging correct because scourging does not mean he will give you sickness and disease it does not mean that suddenly while crossing the street you'll get hit by a car or whatever that's not scourging that's dead okay it does not mean suddenly you're now I'm, i'm of of course not discounting there might be certain decisions that you made that lead you to certain consequences it does not mean god brought it to you yeah i want to be clear with that but the scourging here is something actually beautiful if you look at it if you if you allow where do you see scourging in scripture you see that in jesus right jesus was scourged And that was that was if you've seen any film or anything that's depicting scourging it's not a pleasant thing. But what happens in scourging anyway? There's this movie it's called The Passion and the, and the way they they uh portrayed the scourging was rather graphic. And what happened was you have these soldiers who are well equipped and well built to do their job and they know how to do it. They know how to do it well. They're excellent at their job. And there's Jesus leaning kneeling on a pole. And they were they would hit him time and time again and what happens is that parts of the flesh would be taken away. That the back is exposed. The muscles and the tissues and all of that they're exposed. But let me go back. It says the, the flesh is taken away. What happens when you are being uh chastened and scourged by the lord is that all these fleshly things all the things that is connected to the world and carnal mind is being removed from you so that which is unshakable and pure remains we know this there are certain things that we do and we go lord that's not from you and i'm reminding you that to be focused on who you are in Christ and not on what you just did if we focus on who we are in Christ what we end up doing the wrong things we will are we we have been doing will be a distant memory if we focus on the right things if we fo- if we keep focusing on the things that we need to correct then we're still f- looking at this and not focusing on Jesus Christ 
what will help you forget these and forget and what will help you overcome these things is to be focused on who he is and the reminder of who he made you to be this is the pruning so it may not be like you know no maybe nobody would volunteer lord hanuman i i want to be pruned but a humble heart a heart that is really really want all the things from god will be willing say lord is there anything that i need to change who among you know there are certain things that you need you needs to be changed in your life all of us right right he will help us you know why i think the high, the what we need to highlight there is that whom the lord loves he chastens that's a powerful statement it should be a, it's it's as powerful as this line for the for for god so loved the world that he gave well he loves us so much those who receive what he gave he loves us so much that now he chastens us he disciplines us he prunes us so there's a cutting away of things that are unnecessary amen let's continue It says here verse 3 you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you you're already clean and look at the person beside you and say you're already clean malinis ka na you are mr clean miss clean what does that mean This word clean is uh, is also the word in Greek it's also pure you're already pure now i know for a fact that we don't you know there there may be times when we wake up in the morning we don't feel pure there may be things that happen within the day that some impure thoughts will pass our our minds maybe it will even graduate to being said and spoken and you go tapos hindi ko sinabi yun right and what happens at that point you feel guilty and all of that but the bible is not you know the bible knows what it's saying you're already clean now whatever the lord has made clean cannot be unclean woo that's a strong statement because he doesn't make mistake in making something clean when that person is made clean it's clean forever no dirt can ever be uh in the spirit i mean there is no dirt you have already made righteous you're righteous because of what he did so you cannot be right unrighteous because of what you did Woo, or what you do this idea of being pure let's go to hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 in the passion translation it's an interesting way to put it, it says uh uh hebrews 10:10 by god's will whose will god's will it's not your idea it's god's idea by god's will we have been purified you're already clean you have been purified and made holy tell the person on your right and on your left holika right holika right you know the, the what the enemy wants to do Well, enemy will say this, Hulika. 
I caught you. I caught you doing something wrong. But I think God is trying to catch us being right. Being right, not just doing right, but being right. I like to have that thought. God would say, holy God. When you did something wrong, when you just said something wrong, when you thought of something wrong, and when you know that thing, you know it's not of God, God will go, holy God. What is he doing? He's reminding you that what he thinks about you has not changed because he made you holy once and for all. Once and for all. You mean to tell me what he has done is less than what you can do in your life? No way. What he has done is so much more vigorous. It is more robust than anything we could ever do. You are made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. Woo! This is good. We're just reading the word. Hallelujah. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What word is that? Actually, the word, the word word in this scripture here is the word logos, right? How did you become righteous? You heard the gospel. You heard the word of the, uh, the word of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and you received it. You believed it and you received it in your heart. And when you received and you surrendered your life, you became righteous. You're already clean because of the gospel. Because you received the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that cannot be undone as far as we're concerned. So you're already clean because of the logos. And what we do here, we read from His Word, right? We read from the Gospel. In this church, we are conscious to tell you about the Gospel. We are not ashamed of the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in this place. It is the power to make people righteous. Amen? Next verse. Abide in me. In this whole line here, we started out with the characters, the vine, the father, the branches. And then it, we talked about being carried away, taken away. And then there was this cutting off, a pruning happened. A cutting off and then a cleaning, a cleansing has happened. Now let's continue to the next verse, which, you know, they're all connected. It repeats again and again, this word abide. Somebody say abide. Abide means to dwell, to reside, to make a home, to, uh, uh, that you, you make it your residence, permanent residence. It says here, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. We heard about fruit. We heard about more fruit. But now Jesus is talking about much fruit. I mean, I like fruit. I like more fruit. But God doesn't want us to stay with more fruit. God wants us to continue on to having much fruit. Amen? And it's saying there, if you want to have much fruit, it says, 
to abide in Him. He who abides in me and I in Him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So now, this abiding is actually connection. Connection. Now, let's, let's, let's do some exercise. Do you mind? Can you all stand up for a bit? I like the different speeds that you guys rose up. Some people are uh, uh, creaking. What does it mean to connect? Connection is more than just an intellectual thing. Connection is more than just words that you speak. If I ask you to be connected to somebody, how would you do it? If I say, I want the rose to be connected somehow, can, how can you physically do it? How can you make your connection secure? Connect. So go ahead, connect with somebody right now. Connect with somebody. It's okay, you can cross, you can cross the divide. There you go. Connect. Mag-alcohol na lang kayo mamaya, kung hindi kayo sure. Yung parang, ew. Remember, you're already pure. This is, this is connection. Now, in other words, when God says He wants you to be connected with Him, He also wants you to connect to, to whom He's connected to. Right? If you say that I love God, but I don't like the people, how can you be connected to God if you don't like the people that He loves? And sometimes that's a challenge because the people can be a challenge to love. Maybe not the person you're connected to. They're easy to love. But eventually in your life, to bring you to a point of much fruit, there has to be a vital connection that you choose to make. What is a vital connection to you? Maybe for somebody, it's just going to church. Maybe a vital connection, uh, uh, an even greater connection, will just be not attending church, but really getting to know people in the church. That might be a, a, a good step. Maybe, maybe a, a, a deeper connection now is that, yes, you know somebody in the church. What if I actually be involved in a smaller group? Because it's hard to get to know everybody, but I'm sure I can get to know somebody or some group. Maybe the next, the next connection to you will be, well, you know, I'm receiving all these things. I'm good. I, I feel good coming out of the church. And I feel like God's moving in my life. Perhaps maybe I can help in the church. Maybe that's a connection. On and on. There's, a, there's always something that you can make a step towards in order for you to be vitally connected. This is part of abiding. Not just, it's, you cannot disregard the others. Praying, reading the word, receiving the word. All of, the, all of that is vital, but you can't just do one side of it and not connect with the people that God loves. You can let go. I, I didn't say to stay long, but you guys, you guys want to. Somebody enjoying the service? Do yes. you know this abiding? Abiding is so important in this story here that it's mentioned seven times. Jesus mentions it seven times. 
the cast, the vine, the father, the branches. There is a carrying away. That's a, you're taken away. It's not that you're removed, but you're carried. There's a carrying away. And there is a cutting of things that are unnecessary. Because now you are clean. Right? You have been cleansed. You have been made pure. And now Jesus is inviting you so that you can get to that next level is the idea of abiding. In fact, it says here very clearly, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Who among you want to get to that point where you can ask whatever you desire? Woo! You see, we need to re-understand, re-study what, what that desire means. Because sometimes we have immature desires. Right? It can happen. We have immature desires where our desires are just about us. But the desire of God is so much bigger than ours. It's better to get His desire for us than our desire for ourselves. That's why the Bible says, He will give you the desires of your heart. Not only that you will have what you need, but you can have what He dreams. Woo! I would rather Him give me the desire so that I can begin to desire what He desires. Woo! Right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you desire and it shall be given to you. If you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. He is now qualifying what that means to abide. The word is no longer logos for the word word. It's now rhema. If, my, if, I, if you abide in me and my rhema word abides in you. This is where you get to fruitfulness. Because his rhema is what he's constantly speaking to you. It's not anymore. This is the word of God which he spoke and it's written down. But there's something that he speaks out of here that he's now saying this word is for now. Because what you need to get to that next level is what he's saying now so that when you get there, you're more fruitful. It is... The word rhema is a relational word. I can't just rely on what Pastor Mitch has spoken to me way back. There's a constant communication that he's speaking. And those words remind us that we are together, that we are one. And what God is speaking to you now is more than just instruction for the next step. It's a, it's a revelation of his love for you. Rhema. Connection. You want to get to much fruit? Anybody want to have much fruit in your life? What does he do? He gets you from a place of not having fruit to bearing fruit. He takes away. But when you are bearing fruit, he prunes you so that you can have more fruit. But the place of abundance is in the place of abiding. When you get to that place, you will find that you're not Chasing after blessings, but blessings chase after you. Where do we find that? Last line. Go to Psalm 23, verse 6. You get to a place where you're not running after blessings, but blessings run after you. 
What does it say? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. Didn't say just a single day. Didn't say just a season in your life. All the days of your life. Why is that? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is in that abiding, that dwelling in His presence that you find yourself being hunted down by breakthrough, by blessings, by overflow, by overcoming, by victories. New Life the Fort, you have been poised and positioned to to be in the presence of God and you will find yourself being overtaken by blessings. Overtaken by blessings. Amen? God is good. Did you receive something? You know, here's... Go ahead. Give praise to God. You know, one thing we can say, another thing vitally connected which people easily disregard is also in our giving. Later on, we will give you an opportunity as you go out. As you go out, there will be baskets on the sides and just, you know, drop your seed, your tithe, your giving. We're giving towards Metro Child uh, this this whole month and we're going to bless a child. We're going to believe um, that she will be completely healed of the tumor on her face. You know, you already helped. But there's, uh, there's more need that uh, they found out. And I believe when God, uh, when God heals, it's not partial. He wants, but he's, he's allowing us to be a part of what He's doing. So your giving will help that child, but also your tithes. So think about your vital connection in terms to the seed that you have in this church. Amen? Hallelujah. Can you close your eyes and bow your heads for a bit? If there's anybody here that you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. You're not vitally connected because you thought if you don't do all these good works and if you don't try to please Him, maybe you'll be taken away. There's no need to fear being taken away because if you give your lives to Him, He will abide in you and you can never kick Him out of your life. So if you want this much fruit coming your way, it starts with a surrender. It starts with you giving your all, your life to Jesus Christ because He's given His life to you. Let me remind you, when Jesus died on the cross and shed His blood, He did not wait for you to ask forgiveness. He's already forgiven you. It's really just up to you whether you're going to receive the forgiveness that He already gave to you. So if this is you, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today, I'm going to count to three. When you hear me say three and this is you, I want you to lift your hands as high as you can. Say, Pastor, that's me. Jesus, I want to give my life to you. Are you ready? Maybe you're also here and you want to recommit your life. To Jesus Christ. Maybe you're that lost sheep and maybe you lost your way somehow. But guess what? God is carrying you. God has never left your side and He has brought you all the way here back home so you can be reunited with Him and recommit your life to Him. So whether you're giving your life for the first time or you are recommitting your life to Jesus, I want you to lift your hands when you hear me say three. Are you ready? One, two, 
three, go ahead and lift your hands. There you go. Don't think about it. Just, just between you and God. Lift it up. Don't put it down just yet. Don't put it down. Don't put it down. Just go ahead. Just lift it up. Lift it up. Praise the Lord. If you are raising your hand, I want you with your lifted hand, I want you to pray this prayer. Are you ready? Pray this from your heart. With all your heart, pray this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, I thank you that today I have heard the gospel that Jesus has already forgiven me. I have already been made pure by His sacrifice. So I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I call you Lord and Savior of my life. Abide in me. And I know I'm part of your household. And this is forever. I look forward to much fruit in my life. Because you are in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com.